Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and a good Tuesday morning to you and yours. Welcome to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. We come your way 10 a.m. to noon Eastern, Monday through Friday. You can find us on YouTube. Many of you are already dialed in. Slash Chatterbox Sports. You can also find us streaming on Facebook, where this show is streaming on the Chatterbox Sports page. Flip the notification switch on, if you would, please. If the podcast is more your cup of tea, better for your life and being able to enjoy the show, by all means, you can find it anywhere you find a podcast. Search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Well, first of all, it's amazing news. Did you see that yesterday, DeMar Hamlin was released from the UC Medical Center and returned to Buffalo, walking on his own, smiling, it's been an act of God watching what's happened with this guy, this young man, in seven days. He appears to be A-OK. That's the best stuff. All right, I'm sporting my TCU shirt today. College football national championship, no contest whatsoever last night. Biggest route in championship game history. Georgia becomes the first back-to-back winners in the college football playoff era. That's going back to 2014. A 65-7 win over TCU. Stetson Bennett was just unbelievable. Threw for 304 yards, four touchdowns. He also ran for a pair of scores. The Bulldogs had 250 yards rushing, along with over 300 passing. They cap off an undefeated season at 15-0. TCU, what a year. Picked to finish seventh in their conference before the season began. They were five and seven a year ago. They fired their legendary head coach. They end a magical ride under first year head man, Sonny Dykes, finishing the year 13 and two. We'll talk more about this shortly. In the NFL, the Bengals and Ravens meet for the third time this season, but this time, of course, it is the post season. That's Sunday night at eight o'clock. The players have the day off, but you know Zach Taylor and his staff, they are grinding away down at Paycor, wondering if they will be facing Lamar Jackson at quarterback this week, or will it be Tyler Huntley, or will it be again Anthony Brown? Ravens head coach John Harbaugh declined to offer any insight on Jackson, except to say he's working super hard to return. Zach Taylor thought Alex Kappa would more than likely not play on Sunday after injuring his ankle last week, and no official prognosis as to his condition for the long haul, however long the Bengals are in the playoffs. They have their hands full this Sunday. The Bengals are a six-and-a-half point favorite. No word from Miami on Tua Tagovailoa and his potential return as the Dolphins square off with Buffalo on Sunday. Tua has been in concussion protocol for now the third time this season. Meanwhile, running back Raheem Mostert has a broken thumb. It will require surgery, and they hope he's able to go. Breaking news yesterday during the show, the Arizona Cardinals fired head coach Cliff Kingsbury. You may recall they gave him a contract extension through 2027. There are now five head coaching jobs open in the NFL. You have Arizona, you have Denver, you have Indy, you have Carolina, and you have Houston. 
By the way, Cardinals GM Steve Keim announced that he will be stepping down from that role. He's been on a health-related absence since mid-December. The Tennessee Titans fired four assistant coaches yesterday, including offensive coordinator Todd Bowley. And in college basketball, Xavier Paul Fritzner. Xavier. How about him? Number 12. How about him? Now in the latest polls, they've won nine straight. The Muskies will host Creighton tomorrow night at the Centos Center. UC plays tomorrow night as well. They're at home against East Carolina. Tonight, North Carolina plays at number 13, Virginia. South Carolina at Kentucky. And what in the world is going on at UK? Did you see the reports yesterday? Travis Branham, a 24-7 writer, uh, reported that if Texas makes the right offer, Cal could jump. Cal! They got a whole roster full of NBA players on that team. Problem is they just haven't been able to do anything with it, and they look bad. And I think the biggest problem is maybe not so much that. It's that you look at what they did against Alabama. They lost by almost 30 against Alabama this past weekend. There was never even a doubt that they were going to get blown out by Alabama. And that's the most concerning thing if you're Kentucky is that they lost by almost 30 points and not a single person was surprised about it. They got blown out. If you're Cal, why not? Get out ahead of the storm. Go down to Texas. Try and rebuild it. Wow. I, I don't know. So That's my take. Get we got people ahead. beating me down here today for wearing this TCU hoodie. Although Daniel says I'm proud of you, Tom, even with a loss. What am I going to do? Throw in the towel on the guys? I've been rooting for them all year long. I mean, come on. They had a hell of a year. They did. They did. I had to throw my TCU hoodie in the laundry. It's been a while. In the laundry or the trash? The laundry. Sure about that? We'll see it in August. You shouldn't have worn it yesterday. We'll see it in March. Should not have worn it yesterday. That's true. Basketball. See, you're just, you just transitioned to basketball that quickly, Tom. That's what you did. They got a decent team. Two losses this year. That's it. Buzzer beating loss the other day, though. Tough weekend to be a Horn Frogs fan. Everett says you're a real fan, Tom. Props to wearing the hoodie even after a tail kicking. And that it was. Um, you know, look. We have talked to Brian Billick about this topic before, and he wrote a book, and one of the chapters in his book had to do with being able to uh, evaluate college quarterbacks and how then that would play into becoming a pro quarterback. Now, there's been a lot of uh, movement in recent years. Most of the time, you want the big, strong guy with the big arm, And all that kind of thing, durable, can take hits. You're going to take hits in the NFL. There's no doubt about that. And it's a whole different world than the college game. And Brian has gone on record as saying that coming out of college, in all the years, he was the offensive coordinator with the Minnesota Vikings, and they set all those records offensively, that um, Achilles Smith was a guy he thought was going to be a great pro. Well, we know what happened there. The Bengals took him. It never worked out. He was only a starter at Oregon for one year. It brings me to Stetson Bennett. Now, I don't watch a lot of Georgia games, but I'm watching that game last night, and he's making throws, and I say to myself, this guy is making throws that NFL quarterbacks make. You know the story on Bennett. Nobody wanted him out of high school. He goes to a junior college. He comes as a preferred walk-on to Georgia. 
And now he's won back-to-back national championships. He has been the MVP in every postseason game that he has played in. He's not a big guy by any stretch of the imagination. And the last great quarterback, not good quarterback, the last great quarterback in the NFL that was small in stature was Drew Brees. Everybody wondered coming out of Purdue, he was initially drafted by San Diego, I think in the second round, ends up hurting his shoulder. Many wondered, could he come back from the shoulder? Miami thought about bringing him in. New Orleans did bring him in. And without question, it's not even a debatable topic. If there's one thing certain in the world of football and the history of the NFL, the greatest single free agent signing in the history of the National Football League was the New Orleans Saints signing Drew Brees to be their quarterback. One of the top 10 greatest quarterbacks of all time. So what I'm getting at here is, fellas, you know, you look at the guys that are coming out this year, okay? Bryce Young is not a big guy. Tua was not a big guy. Highly decorated Alabama Heisman Trophy winners, et cetera, et cetera. There are some teams watching the Tua situation that are wondering, do we want to go out and draft that guy who's not the big, strong Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, although not all that tall, stout Joe Burrow, the kid in uh, San Diego. Why am I drawing a name? Herbert. Yeah, Herbert. Guys like that, right? I got to tell you, Stetson Bennett, man, the guy can play. I don't know if he can play in the NFL. I have no idea. I've thrown in the towel on that stuff with college basketball guys, with college football guys. It's above my pay scale. But at the end of the day, I think it's above a lot of people's pay scale who think they know something about it, including, admittedly so, Brian Billick. That guy is a stud, Stetson Bennett. I think the craziest thing about last night is that there was never any doubt Stetson Bennett was going to make the right play. The entire game from the very start, I mean, for anybody that had Georgia minus 12 and a half, that was the easiest bet of my entire life. And it was mostly because Stetson Bennett threw for 304 yards. Yep. And it just seemed like every time he needed to step up and make a play, Casey, why are you grinning? No, no Why are you reason. grinning, Casey? I'm just the, there any re- no, no reason in particular. Uh, it just felt to me like every time they needed to make a play, that he stepped up and he did it. And and credit to him, especially for all of the flack that he took after the SEC championship game last year, where he threw a couple interceptions. They get blown out by Alabama. Can he win the big one? Should it be JT Daniels? You know what? What is Georgia going to do? Well, he leads him to a national championship. All right, well, he's 80 years old. Is he going to go out there? Is he going to come back? Is he going to transfer? Is he going to do it again? But I was listening to Kirby Smart last night after the game talking with Scott Van Pelt, and I thought it was really interesting when Kirby said, you know, and I, I, admittedly I'm not as big of a college football guy as, you know, Trace is, especially with Georgia, and, and maybe this is a well-known story, but – um, you know, I knew that he transferred. I knew that Stetson was at Georgia, left, came back. I knew all that. But to hear Kirby Smart say he told us that he wanted to be our starting quarterback and that he needed to go somewhere else to be able to do that. Yep. And he left and he came back and he kept trying to convince me, I'm your number one, I'm your number one, even when he was the number three. And then he went out and he did it. I mean, that's special. That's great. That's, that's why – 
that's why you go and compete at that kind of a level and you better yourself as an athlete. And he did that. Credit to him. Now he's the first back-to-back national champion in this era. Yeah, and I mean, Stenson Bennett is really good within Georgia's system. And Oh, I'm, no, he's a system quarterback. But that's not a bad thing. Oh, no. He doesn't need to be a top-five quarterback to, to be successful in the NFL. As much as I crapped on Ryan Tannehill, he had a pretty successful career. Yep. What? Won a lot of games. Yep. But Tannehill's but, that big, strong guy. Right. And he's that but, big, strong – you know, some people in the chat have – have mentioned Doug Flutie, and, and and look, I loved Doug Flutie. I thought that the NFL gave that guy a raw deal, and he proved it when he came back after playing in the Canadian Football League for a long, long time. Um, no one's going to take Stetson Bennett in the first round. They're probably not going to take him in the second round. Someone is going to take a flyer on the guy. Someone. And he may not even make the team. Again, I have no idea... And I'm not going to sit here and act like I do. But this kid is a winner. He makes throws. He made a couple of throws last night that were just fantastic. You know, the flip side of all that is, you look at Duggan. Now, Duggan is a big, strong guy, right? In the two playoff games, he did not play well. But there will be an NFL team that will take him in the first two rounds. You can take that to the bank. Yeah. Probably to do with his stature. Uh, he had a great senior year, and, and look, he's been through a lot too. His story, you know, starter for three years, gets benched at the start of this year for Chandler Morris, who they think is going to be a Heisman Trophy candidate going into next year as first as a starter. Morris gets hurt the first game of the year. Duggan gets a job back, takes him to the national championship game. But I look at guys like J.J. McCarthy in Michigan. I look at Stetson Bennett. I look at some of these guys and I say to myself, man, let me ask you this. And again, I don't know. I want to make sure I, I, everybody hears me saying I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and claim that I do know because I don't. And this isn't a knock on Brandon Allen. But would you like to see a preseason of Stetson Bennett, what he could do as your backup quarterback? As a Bengals fan? Yeah. Um, you got confidence in Brandon Allen at all? And again, I'm not beating up no. on Brandon Allen. He's in the NFL. Good for him. He's busted his tail to get there. Yeah, no. I mean, I think the Bengals should be actively looking for a backup. Is it Stetson Bennett? I don't know. Um, I think I think he's a winner. I think he's got good leadership qualities, a great backstory. All those are, are good to have on your team. I think Bennett, I'm not sure if he's got an injury history, but the one thing about Tua, if we're comparing the two of them and their stature, Tua had injuries before even getting in the NFL that were career-threatening. Yep. So to me, I think they're a little bit different. Um, and in the sense, too, that Stinson, he wasn't really a gunslinger. He was really good at play action so to me he doesn't really fit with the Bengals to me he'd be great in the 49ers system or the Titans or the Browns even some some teams that really rely on play action after and uh, you know 
the Bengals, I, I don't know what they'll do. I don't know what their plans are. But I, I would love to see Stinson Bennett on an NFL team. I would also like to see Max Dugan on an NFL team. Or Duggan. Duggan. His Duggan. friends call him Dugan, but you can call him Duggan. Dugan, Duggan. Is it Duggan? It's Duggan. Okay, Duggan. Sorry. I mean, the Bengals are not going to. The Bengals are not going to waste a draft pick. You're right, they, but they got to go out and sign a backup. But that's you know that's 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 a problem, or not a problem. It, it's something that needs to be addressed in the offseason. Um, but you know, somebody just told me the sweatshirt's tired. Barry's new to the uh, chat. Says it's tired. Wow, that's pretty hard. Um, look, we got to talk about the Bengals here. We got Paul Doherty coming up at 11 o'clock. We got um, Tracy Jones, best 30 minutes in television, coming up at 11.30. Zach Taylor uh, basically laid it out there yesterday that Alex Kappa is not going to play this week. So there was a fabulous story written in the um, Athletic by Jay Morrison, who does a great job, along with Paul Daner Jr., about uh, Kappa's replacement, who is going to take over Max Sharping. Second-round pick out of Northern Illinois, as we mentioned, in 2019 by Houston. He started 33 games over his first three years. Now, because of a performance escalator bonus in his contract, his salary from last year went to $1.6 million to $2.4 million. The Texans wanted to keep him, but they didn't want to pay him $2.4 million. So what they did was, is they, in essence, tried to bury him. Nobody paying attention. Resign him to a lesser amount of money and bring him back. The Bengals, Duke Tobin and his staff were on their game. They go out, find the guy on the waiver wire. They pick him up. In the 33 games he started, the overwhelming majority of those were as a left guard for the Texans. He switched over to right guard last year where he started nine or ten games. So I ask you guys, I mean, here we are uh, days away from the NFL playoffs. You're taking on the Baltimore Ravens who have a very good defense, not a great defense, a very good defense. Your two best run blockers, arguably, would be Kappa and Lyle Collins. You don't have either one of them. Collins for the rest of the year. Kappa again, we don't know. What we do know is, since week 15, the Bengals are 31st in the NFL in rushing. That is second from the bottom. Yeah, I mean, we got to also include the fact that they didn't play a game in between that, and they were just throwing like crazy all over the Patriots. I mean, I'm not going to just completely disregard. I mean, they're 31st in rushing, but there's some circumstances there, I think, that put them there. The Bengals are going to need to be able to run the ball against the Ravens. They're going to need to be able to fire on all cinders – <clears throat> the Bengals without Kappa and Collins are in for a 
very tough battle. Very tough. But I do, I do think that Sharping and Adenogy, now that they've had time to kind of develop and sit behind those two, that they'll be fine. I mean, they made the Super Bowl last year without him, so it's not like they can't do it. Yeah. And I the mean, other thing, too, is they've very clearly made a decision. I, I was listening to a podcast talking about this yesterday. They very clearly made a decision to let Joe Burrow be the guy. Right. Look at how many times Joe Burrow is throwing the ball a game now. And they've the Bengals have very clearly said we are going to ride or die with the right arm of number nine. Yep. And I would take that seven days a week. That's fine with me. I I know you gotta run the ball a little bit to you can't pass the ball a hundred times a game. I get that. But I'm fine throwing the ball fifty five. 55 times a game i'll tell you right That's now I, I mean correct me if i'm wrong here and i'm sure you, there's an outlier somewhere i can't remember the last time a team marched through the playoffs where you got to win three games if you're not the number one seed you got to win three games to get to the super bowl i cannot remember a team throwing the ball 40 and 50 times and, and winning and a lot of people think the saints used to do that completely incorrect all the years St. Sean Payton was there as head coach, they were always one of the best running teams in the National Football League. Always. I don't think you can get to the Super Bowl throwing the ball 45, 50 times a game. Now, I'm not saying they're going to do that. I'm with you. You know, sometimes you just got to keep running. You know, when Tennessee was playing well before Tannehill goes down, all that kind of thing. You know, the, the, the game against Green Bay comes to mind. I mean, I think that, you know, Travis Henry in that game rushed like 24 times for like 80-something yards, but they just kept doing it to keep Green Bay and the defense thinking they might run it. They might run it. They might run it. And then Tannehill made some great throws in that game, and that was the best game he played all season, arguably the best game Tennessee played all year long before things started falling apart. But I watched that game Sunday. You guys were there. Now, admittedly, Burrow said he was off. He missed some throws. But the Ravens knew that they were throwing the ball virtually every single play. Yeah, I mean, I don't take – I'm not going to look at this last week and and make a, a judgment call or, a, or an inference on how the game will go this Sunday. But what I will say is – the Bengals, when they're at their best, they are a balanced team. And what I mean by that is they can throw 30 to 40 times as long as the run is efficient. If Joe Mixon has 100 yards, but he only carried it 12 times, it's a pretty efficient day. It's a really good run day, at least for the Bengals. So to me, they're going to have a challenge, but I think they still get it done because, I mean, the very first two or three drives, you could clearly see that the Bengals were in control. Then they became very vanilla. Yep. So to me, I'm not worried. I'm I'm concerned for the future, just like I, I was before. But Shar Sharping being decent in Texas, where they had to run the ball to not get blown out, is a good thing, I guess. I mean, it makes me yep. feel a little better that he can at least be serviceable. 
And at Denigy, we took him all the way through the playoffs. So to me, I'm I'm not that worried. I, I know we can win with those guys there. And just kind of like what Paul said, you know, they can get, they could do it. Is Kappa for sure not playing? Yes. Yeah. Yes, 100%. Well, I mean, he didn't say 100%, but he said basically said 100%. Yeah. Okay. Without He's got like saying a- it. He just didn't know. Uh, apparently, um, uh, you know, I mean, it, it looks like a, a softball in there uh, with his ankle. It's so swollen and, and so on and so forth. He's still not walking around on it. You know, the question becomes, you win this week. Can he play again next week if you win this week? Um, Taylor, noncommittal. As was John Harbaugh on the whole Lamar Jackson thing. I find this to be the most fascinating story in the NFL right now. I agree. I just think there is so much going on here with the Ravens and Jackson and his contract and he's injured. I mean, what does that mean when you say a guy is working super hard to come back? It means he's not playing. Harbaugh has not said that one time. Lamar Jackson has not stepped on the practice field since the second week of December. We are in the second week of January. Has he not been working super hard up until now? I had a question asked to me in box lunch yesterday. I want to ask you, Tom. Lamar's been out for a month. Would you rather have Lamar play? Like, if he doesn't practice all this week, would you rather have him in at quarterback? Or would you rather have Tyler Huntley? Look, it's Lamar Jackson. I I don't think Lamar Jackson is in the same galaxy. And I've said this before, even before he was hurt. I do not think Lamar Jackson is in the same galaxy as Burrow, Mahomes, Allen, not anywhere close. He is a unique talent, to say the least. He's not a great thrower, but he will make some throws. He is a fantastic runner. And there is no doubt in my mind, if I am a Bengals fan, I am hoping, I don't care if Lamar Jackson hadn't stepped on the field in a year. I am hoping you're going to face Huntley and especially hoping you're going to face Anthony Brown. Well, I definitely want to play against Huntley or Brown, either one of those guys. But I'm just saying, I didn't know how you felt because most of his game is based off his legs. And if he comes back too soon, you get hurt again or it becomes even worse or if he just plays poorly, it's not a good scenario for him. Like he's playing for a contract and if he goes out there, plays terrible, it's not going to be good for him. So I was just curious what you thought. Well, I mean, mean, you know, you get into the whole, it's a legitimate question. You get into the whole Deshaun Watson thing. I I don't think it's apples to apples on Deshaun Watson because this guy went over two years, 714 days, I think it was, 712 days, something like that, in between appearances in an NFL game. And for a long, long time, Watson this year wasn't even able to come to the facility and practice with the team. So I don't think you're comparing apples to apples there because Jackson did play a lot this year. 
And when he was there, you know, the knock on the Ravens, you may remember, early in the season was they got out to big leads, they put up a lot of points, and then they would blow games late in the game. Now, some of that was on Jackson. You don't convert a first down. You miss on a pass. You got a punt. Other team gets a ball, blah, blah, blah. But there weren't a lot of people knocking the Ravens' offense as a whole when Jackson was in there. Um, I think they've averaged something like 13 points a game since he's been out. Do I think Lamar Jackson stepping on an NFL field, regular season playoffs tomorrow that his team would score more than 13 points. They scored 16 without him on Sunday. Yes, I think they would do better than 16. Don't you? Um, yeah, probably. But I'm, my, my thing is, I don't know if it's worth the risk. You know, I don't. I mean, he has, we'll find out if he practices today. Um, to me, like the, the injury is so it's the knee it's the pcl i believe yep and if he's not ready he's not going to come back and i think i think he's actually doing this for himself he doesn't want to go out there and get himself hurt he doesn't want to go out there and play poorly in case it impacts his contract situation but if i'm if i was john harbaugh um I would obviously want Lamar in, but in the future, I don't know if you want to keep the guy. I mean, he's not, it's really tough. The situation is very weird, very, um, I would say unprecedented, honestly, because most quarterbacks would try to everything in their power to come back. And yes, the, the narrative that John is trying to say is that he's coming back you know, he's trying to come back as hard Super as he can. Hard Super hard. Super hard. Yes. I don't think that's the case. I think he's trying to prove a point to the Ravens that you need Lamar in order to win. But and wouldn't you cement your case even further if you came back and found and a way to play, play well, and win the game? Right. But what if he doesn't win? Well, I, I understand. And this goes back to the same point I made on the box lunch yesterday is maybe he just doesn't think the Ravens have a chance to win the Super Bowl. Right, I think I'm more. The more you say that, I think the more I agree with you. Like the if he if he genuinely, as a quarterback, believes that he is about to go acquire generational wealth through his next contract, why would he go out there and risk? Now, the the answer to this question is because you're a competitor, because it's your job, and because it's the right thing to do. But if you put yourself in Lamar Jackson's shoes. When you have a chance to sign a contract that it sounds like he has a chance to sign, why go out there and risk your health to play in the postseason with a team in his mind that he clearly doesn't believe has a chance to win the Super Bowl? Why I think he would be inaccurate in that assumption because I think the Ravens have enough pieces where they could create a lot of problems for a lot of teams. I understand that. I agree with you, but this – Ravens team can't win the Super Bowl. And if they can't win the Super Bowl, I think that's Lamar's thinking. And that's my point here. Okay. But I do agree with you that I, I think they're they're way more feisty than like, you know, we're, this is not a, a, a Giants or Chargers or Jaguars team that snuck in or got in at the last, you know, this is a Ravens team that could beat the Bengals. This team won 10 games. Yeah. They and, won 10 games playing with a backup quarterback for the last five weeks of the season. Yeah. 
I so, mean, do you think the Bengals would have won 10 games this year with a backup quarterback for the last five weeks of the season? No. Okay. No way. Yeah. No way. Kudos to Harbaugh. Kudos yeah. to Harbaugh. And, and, and the thing is, with a team like Baltimore, they run the ball very, very well. They're going to get J.K. Dobbins back this week. They're going to get Zeitler back on the offensive line. He's an all-pro player. We saw him here in Cincinnati. For the life of me, I still can't understand to this day how the Bengals ever let that guy leave. That guy's an animal and always has been his whole career. You let him walk out the door and go up to Cleveland, and now you're playing against him again in Baltimore, but it's water you know, under the bridge. But, you know, the, the, the thing they try to do, and this isn't news breaking, but the thing they try to do and they are more than capable of doing is keeping the other team's offense off the field for long periods of time, right? You run it, you run it. You go on a six, you go on a seven, you go on an eight-minute drive, you dink and dunk. Next thing you know, it's, you know, it's 10 to seven, it's 14 to 10 at halftime, something like that. You stretch that into the third quarter on a long drive, and now you're one possession away from stealing a game that most people feel like you have no chance to win. So is that what That's who they are. Is that what you're predicting this game to be like? I think this is going to be a monumental task for the Bengals. Hmm. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Divisional games are a different animal. I mean, let's be honest about it. The, the Steelers weren't very good this year. I give Mike Tomlin. I mean, there's another guy. We talked about Pete Carroll yesterday, and I don't care if you like Mike Tomlin or hate Mike Tomlin. For that guy... To finish again with a better than 500 record. He's never had a losing season. With that team and the injuries and what and a rookie quarterback who was in there, was out, Trubisky's playing with, and they go nine and eight. What I'm saying here is the teams in your division tend to find a way, because they know you so well, to play a little better against you than they do everybody else. Right? Yeah. I mean, look at Cleveland this year. Right? Yeah. I mean, they boat raced the Bengals. Now, that was the last time the Bengals lost a game. It was just a terrible game. It's the only bad game the Bengals really have played all year long. Bad game. But, you know, Baltimore, again, the Bengals could have, should have won that first meeting, but they didn't. Um, you know, the Steelers, they beat the Bengals at season opener. You throw that out with a trash. The second game was not a massacre, even though everybody thought it was going to be a massacre. They find a way to play you a little different, a little tougher, a little closer. And I think we all agree of the other three teams in the AFC Central, and it's, it bears out by the Ravens are in the playoffs. They are the best team next to the Bengals in the AFC Central. North. Or, I mean, AFC North. Forgive me. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I compare it a lot to college basketball where you look at, like, say, the, the non-conference season versus the conference season. And a lot of times you'll see, I, I compare it to the Big East, where a lot of times you see these teams that go into the non-conference schedule and they run all these crazy plays. You see all the same things, but you see the same things over and over. And then once you get into the conference season and you're playing this double-round-robin format where – all the teams have played each other before. All of a sudden, 
you don't get the same looks in conference play that you got in non-conference play because all the teams know each other. All the coaches are familiar with each other. You're not getting those same actions, right? You're not running the same ball screens. You're not running the same type of deal in, in the conference season that you're running in the non-conference season because those coaches see each other two times a year every year. And you, you would be much more nervous to play a mediocre team from your conference in the NCAA tournament than you would be maybe to play a two or three higher-seeded team from – the Pac-12 or the Mountain West yep. or something like that that you haven't seen before that yep. you could flash some of those looks to. I, I look at that again, like you just said, like we've talked about a lot over the last two days with this Bengals and Ravens game where not only do you play them twice a year, you literally just played them. You just played them. And now all of a sudden you got to do it again seven days later in primetime on Sunday Night Football. At least this one's at home for the Ravens. Or for, excuse me, for the Bengals. Yeah, I mean, the same could be said inversely too, though. Oh, I mean, of course. The, Bengals, the Bengals could play really well against no the Ravens. doubt. And for me, Joe, Bur there's one thing, and it's our man, Paul Doherty. He wrote a really good article. Joe Burrow is inevitable, especially when it matters. And playoffs, I mean, he's going to get the job done. So for me. When I look at it, I just think that Joe Burrow is going to find a way to get them in a good position. Pro it's probably going to be a grinded out type of game, but Joe Burrow is going to make the throws that he needs to make. Our guys are going to make the catches they need to make, and they're going to win in the wild card round. I just, I, I'm very confident in this game. The other part of this factor uh, in this game. Uh, which was brought up in the chat, and it's a great point, is the Justin Tucker factor. Now, Money Mac, as they call him, was money last year in the postseason. No two ways about it. Bengals don't get to the Super Bowl without Evan McPherson and everything he did. And from 50 yards and out, he's been among the best kickers in the NFL this season. He has been grossly inconsistent inside of 50, including on extra points. The same cannot be said of Justin Tucker. Again, you know, when you're looking at teams where the Bengals, at least right now, are the better team, there's no doubt about it. But with all of the things that we've talked about, whether it's the two new starters on the offensive line, we've been talking about the run game. I think it's fair to say Adenogy and Sharping are probably better run blockers than they are pass blockers. I think it's probably safe to say. But if you're not running it well and you're forced to throw it a ton, how good are they in pass protection? Are we going to flip back to the script that we saw early this season when Burrow's running for his life every single time he takes a snap and shotgun? We going to see that again? Uh, I don't know, so. but all I'm saying is you start, you start going through some things here now, and the one thing we haven't talked about, which I have said all year long and we have talked about is, I, this Bengals defense to me is without question, with all the pub, rightfully so, that Burrow gets, that Chase gets, that Higgins gets, that Boyd gets, that Hurst gets, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The hero of this Bengals team this season, without a doubt, collectively, is the defense. Because they find a way, they'll give up yards 20 to 20. But when the other team gets inside the red zone, 
That's when this Bengals defense has been the best in the National Football League of preventing touchdowns. Did and we... you're going to have to score some touchdowns to beat the Bengals. You can't kick field goals to beat the Bengals. Did we have DJ Reader when we played the Ravens? I don't think we did. I think that was a game. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I thought that was a game that he got hurt. Is that the game he got it hurt? It might have been. I don't remember. I thought that was a game he got hurt. I'll double check. Sorry, that was just one thing that came across my mind. You were talking a lot about how the Ravens run game. No, he went out and against we, the Jets. He went out against the Jets. So, so he we did, did miss not the Baltimore have game. That's exactly right. I yes. mean, thank you very much for uh, pointing that out on the chat. They didn't run much at him on Sunday. Kind of ran away from him. We'll see if that uh, if they continue to do that. I mean, I think I think uh, yeah. I mean. That game's a whole different ball game with uh, DJ Reader there. I mean, they had to run the ball multiple times to get into field goal range to end that game. Yep. And I just – DJ Reader is an animal that we just don't talk about enough. I mean, he – Well, he should have gone to the Pro Bowl. He wasn't going to with all the time that he missed. But I think if you talk to any offensive lineman, interior offensive lineman in the NFL that's had to play against this guy over the last two years, he is without a doubt a Pro Bowl player. No question. Um, Zachary, what is wrong with you? Casey Stinklist is rigged. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Zachary says Tom is hoping the Bengals will lose. Zachary, let me ask you a question here. If for no other reason, the success and or failure or mediocrity at best of this show, how do you think we do next Monday? Or let's start maybe Wednesday. Okay, because we're going to do well on Monday. Win or lose, right? But if the Bengals lose this game, we're talking about the Bills playing the Ravens. We're talking about this team and that team. We're talking about Coach Calipari. Yeah, we're talking about Cal going to Texas. I mean, come on. We need the Bengals to win every single game all the way through the Super Bowl to carry the show into February before Paul Fritchner officially takes it over to break everything down in college basketball. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be doing some serious work the last two weeks of February oh and into March. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to bone up on some of these tired teams. Tired <laughs> There are yeah, a lot I mean, of tired teams. Like my fighting leprechauns. I, oh, they're tired. I think that is, it is a problem this year because North Carolina, Kentucky – Michigan, a lot of the big brands are not having good years. Even Creighton, who was picked to win the Big East, is not having a great season. Did you just put Creighton in the same brand category as I'm Kentucky? I'm talking about a team that was picked to win a major conference. I'm, you know. All right. Not brand category, but okay. a team that was picked to win a major conference. Okay. Yeah, it's... Casey, are you even following Notre Dame? I mean, do you I, have any idea what the hell they're doing? That's your they're team. Te they're terrible. I'll just say the Fighting Leprechauns. They started off well. They're one, one and six in their last seven. The one wins over Jacksonville. Not a great, not a great stretch of games. No, not worth even uh, bringing up. They're playing terrible. They're zero and five in conference. So that, yeah, they're not going to do anything, which is unfortunate. The Emperor says Creighton is a huge brand in the state of Nebraska. It is true. They got nothing else to do in <laughs> That's Omaha. That's a good line. 20-some thousand. Yeah, but they got Warren Buffett there. They do. They got Warren Buffett. So they, they got do. some big league cash rolling in there. Oh, look at this. Got a brand new stock of, of Pawnee. 
We're all yes. set. Look give at me this. one of those. Hey, one of those. Give me one set. of those. Throw them around, Tom. We're all set. Let's see, the, let's see the arm. You guys need one there? Yeah, absolutely. Toss them over. Here we go. The dunce. There we go. We're good. Oh, my oh, God. Are no you hands kidding out of the me? Dirt. All right, here we go. Here we go. Over the computer. Oh, there's, there's, a, there's a catch. Flip the camera. Here we go. Yeah, here here comes there the other one. one. There we go. Here we go. Nice job, boys. I already got mine here today. We thank Trace. Pawnee. And thank our friends from Pawnee across the street. I got it for you. I mean. You got to try it. It's all we're asking you is to try it. Okay? And then you be the judge. You be the judge. It tastes fantastic. And it's made right here across the street in downtown Hamilton, Ohio. Uh, Pawnee uses natural limestone filtration, unlike many artificial processing brands that you see that you're able to buy, um, you know, in most of the stores. And Pawnee's trying to get into a number of stores around. So look, just go to Pani Water. It's spelled P-A-H-H-N-I, P-A-H-H-N-I, PaniWater.com. It's the best tasting water in the world. I mean, it literally says repeat winner of the best tasting water in the world. Why would you not want to drink the best tasting water in the world? That's I'm exactly finally gonna, right. I'm finally going to get over the sickness. No, uh, you're not. Oh, yes, I am. Pani Water <laughs> heals all. Trust me, as somebody that... Has been consistently sick for the last, like, two years. No. Sir Boy Wonder, how in the world can you say I didn't like your tweet last last night? I replied to your tweet last <laughs> night. It's the only thing that I, I was on Twitter last night. Because Sir Boy Wonder is so... Um, he's a regular on this program. He's committed to being here every single day. And we thank you for it and so many others. I replied to your tweet last night. I mean, I'm sitting there with my daughter. She was sad as can be about what was happening at her college uh, and getting dismantled by Georgia last night in every way, shape, or form. Um, but I, I, I took, Sir Boy Wonder, a minute to reply to yours and yours only. That was it. You know, you look at the state of college football for a second, fellas, and I got to tell you, what is it, four in a row now? It's 13 of the last 17, I believe it is. National champions have come out of the Southeastern Conference. Mm. Yeah, and people want to say that you get in the Big 12, you get the Pac-12, you get all these teams we talk about all year. It just, it's always the SEC. It's always the SEC. Yeah. And I would argue, at this point, Georgia's making a dynasty. I mean, they Georgia turned the national championship game into a noon kickoff against Vanderbilt. You're right. They did. That's crazy. You're They're, right. They did. Yeah. I mean, I, I got a question. I think I know the answer. Obviously, everyone would rather have the championship game mean something, be good. But would you rather have two really good semis or have one really good championship? Well, it's a good because question. Every, everyone complained for a long time that the semis meant nothing, that a team was going to get blown out. And, and that has been the case. But this year? This year was fantastic. And I think, if for nothing else, and I mean, look, you know, the Michigan people will lose their mind on this. But if for no other reason, I think it's safe to say, and, and Trace talked about this regularly on box lunch, even before the Ohio State game. Ohio State was the second best team in the country this year. Yeah. There, there's no doubt about it. They had the one hiccup against Michigan. Michigan gets beat by TCU. TCU gets raced by Georgia. I normally don't like playing that game. Ohio State was the only team in the country that had a chance to be Georgian should have beat them. They were up by 14 
in the fourth quarter. Lost a game, period. Am I allowed to say that Alabama maybe should have been in? No. No. I, if anything – You got to earn it. Yeah. If anything, I thought maybe you would have Ohio State play TCU and then Michigan play Georgia again. But that's the only other scenario that would have made sense. I don't know. I mean – it was going to be tough either way. Look, everybody always wants to say this about Notre Dame, and, and it's the same deal every year where you get the the one seed just winning a game like this, whether it's in the semifinal or now it's in the, the title game. There's, there is a blowout. We haven't had a year yet where yep. both semis have been good and, excuse me, Pawnee Water settling in there. It's good. <laughs> Took a huge gulp of it. <clears throat> there is a uh, – we haven't had a situation yet where we have had both semis and the title game be good. One of them's always a blowout. This year, just it was in the title game. Yeah, I mean, that, I, to me, that's unfortunate, and I feel bad for TCU that they had to go through that. But Alabama Georgia would have been a better game. Well, there's no yeah. doubt about that. I mean, well, no then, quite, you're talking about a different, you know, you're talking about a different level of of player. I mean, you know. The, the, the kid that Alabama is recruiting is very different than the kid that TCU is recruiting, especially when you're five and seven a year ago and you're trying to bring guys in there. Now, TCU has just recently picked up three Alabama transfers in the last two weeks, I think it is. And I oh. talked to a, a close friend of mine who's down in Tuscaloosa about the whole Alabama situation and watching what's going on in Georgia. And he said that finally Saban is at the end of the line. Uh, that he is going to be cleaning house down there with uh, maybe some of the guys he feels like are not doing some of the things he needs them to do or wants them precisely to do. Um, you know, watching him on television last night, did you guys watch him much at all last night? Saban, he was on the college game day show. Yeah, did you see what David Pollock said? Did you see the <laughs> clip? David Pollock was going on about how Georgia – You go, we got to play this clip because Saban's facial reaction on this clip. I think I saw somebody in the chat a few minutes ago mention it too. Oh, man, I watched it last night. David Pollock is sitting there at the table, and he, sit, he makes some comment to the effect of Georgia's taken over college football in the last couple of years, and the camera just has Nick Saban there sitting there with this like – you know, he can't say anything because nope. he's on ESPN. He can't well, say but anything. you can't argue with that the last two years. No. But I mean, he, you know, he's going to feel what he feels. He's a coach of Alabama, but you can't argue that point. Just a laugh-out-loud comment, though, coming in front of – yeah, here it is. All right, let's see it. Yeah, let me, let me get it set. Here it is. Let's go, Casey. This is producing right here. Let's go. All right, here we go. And, and George, obviously, you've seen in the past couple seasons now, really, that they've taken hold of college football. They did an unbelievable job. Uh, this is a young football team. This isn't an old football team with a bunch of guys lose. Now, listen, the NFL can take its chunk out of any. And, and George, obviously, you've seen in the past couple seasons. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I'll tell you one thing right now. And, 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 and just for the record, I mean, last night, uh, and we were talking about this with Trace before the game, who's a big Georgia guy. I mean, last night was TCU's hiccup. They just, they, 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 nothing could go right. That's not who they are. If they play Georgia 10 times, they're not going to get beat 65 to 7. A bunch no, of, it's probably not no. going to happen again. But Georgia's clearly the better team. But I'll tell you right now, you give Georgia all the credit in the world, but I'm not sleeping on Nick Saban in Alabama now. They lost. That ain't happening. 
Alabama lost two games this year at the very last second. They did. Otherwise, they're undefeated. No, they're not going anywhere. No. And anybody who thinks they're going to go to sleep on Nick Saban, you are going to lose a lot of money if you're a gambler on that bet. Because what has Nick Saban done every single time he's been challenged with something in the college football landscape? Whether it's the style of game that he plays, offense, defense, his coaching style, whatever. What has he done? He's been maybe a year or two behind the curve, but he's always adapted. They have always adapted. Now what's the challenge? It's NIL. And I can guarantee you yep. he's going to figure it out. Now, now, has Georgia already positioned themselves to a point where they're right in that niche and maybe this is Georgia's time to shine now for the next five to ten years, but you're gonna you're not gonna find me doubting Nick Saban as a man that can't figure no. out this NIL deal. Saban is the Bill Belichick of the college ranks. Yeah. Without a doubt. All right, we're gonna take a break. Are you guys gonna take it here? We yeah, work. we'll take it. All right, we'll be back. Here you go, gentlemen. Take it away. It's that time of the show, the ham and eggers. These guys are great, trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Wait, and there it is. Wait, oh, is it gonna get? There it is. There it is. There it is. All right, uh, Casey, you have anything? Cause I can, I can talk for a second. If you don't, I can pitch a couple of things. Well, I just wanted to talk about, I don't have the, the screenshots, but Oh, last night was very funny. Okay, yeah. So in our Chatterbox group chat last night, we I, I don't have the screenshot because honestly there was too many of them. But last night, uh, the only thing I was on in the national championship game was Georgia minus 12 and a half. Well, I just kept thinking to myself the entire game, well, there's got to be a way to middle this, right? Like there's no way TCU is going to lose by 30. There's no way TCU is going to lose by 37, 40, 45, 50, 55. So I just kept looking the entire time at the live line, and the live line just kept going up. It kept going up, and I just kept sending screenshots into the group chat. There's no way they lose by 56. Then finally it was 57. 57 and a half. It was Georgia the entire time. I'm trying to uh, – if you follow me on Twitter, I'm going to tweet it out here in a minute. I'm going to try and figure out from, from one of the guys in Vegas what the pregame odds on 57 and a half – would have been I heard a rumor I did not see this on my own but I heard a rumor from somebody that the highest pregame odds you could get on Georgia were minus 40 on an alternate line and I think it was somewhere in the minus or in the uh, plus 30,000 range somewhere in there uh, which which makes sense Um, I don't know that for sure it could be a lot less Um, I don't think it would be any more but it could be a lot less but Let's just let's just have some fun there and say it is plus thirty thousand. That's only at minus forty. Think about seventeen more points on top of that. When you're talking about fifty thousand, maybe I I don't know that. I I did not see that on my own. That's just what I heard. Um, but the live the live betting that we now have access to in the state of Ohio, it's dangerous. I will say because you see somebody at. Plus 105, you see some college basketball favorite at plus 105. Hit it, Casey. There he is. Here we are, boys. But, yeah, I mean. Crazy. It was it was really crazy. And I thought it was it was very funny that you kept sending it over <laughs> and over. <laughs> this one has to hit, right? It has There's to no hit. way this doesn't hit. 
Minus uh, 24. I never went in on 31. it. I never went in on it. I never took it. I sat I sat on the sideline and just let my 12 and a half cash. Easiest, yeah. easiest cash of my entire life, and I'm fine with it. Agreed. I'm fine with it. So, yeah, college basketball, the, the, uh, the live lines are a little more electric because you can sometimes snipe some lines that are a little off, but. Sniper! Tom, speaking of Sniper, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I was able to get out of here yesterday after missing the day before, going down to the Bengals game, getting a little workout in. So I was able to get out and run, hamstrings, feeling strong. That was uh, very impolite of you guys to be laughing at me, by the way, yesterday. <laughs> Paul Doherty's never impolite. The morning line... <laughs> .substack.com. Doc, we're sitting here. First of all, good morning. Hope you had a, uh, a great what? weekend. Um, look, there's a lot to, to sort of, you know, peel here uh, as far as the Bengals are concerned. And, and let's start with now all of a sudden, you know, the first 15 games, they start all five offensive linemen, the same five offensive linemen, the only team in the league to do it. And now all of a sudden, Lyle Collins goes down, at least for this week, maybe longer. Kappa goes down. Uh, for Bengals fans, um, does that create some uncertainty about the, the, the future of this team starting this Sunday night against Baltimore? Well, well sure. I mean, you, you lose the right side of your offensive line uh, right before you go into the playoffs. Yeah, that's a problem. Um, but not as much as, as you might think. Uh, they, they essentially did the same last year. And they managed to get to the Super Bowl. Um, I think every team they beat last year on the way to the Super Bowl is better than the Raven team they're going to face on Sunday night. And they managed to win last year. Um, and I think Burrow is better this year at, at one, sensing the rush, and two, avoiding it. Um, I thought one of the most interesting, noteworthy things from the other, from the other day uh, other than, than watching just how terrible uh, the Ravens were on offense, what, what was Burrow's ability to to be to be caught but not tackled? You know, the Ravens had didn't have a lot of trouble getting to Burrow. They had all kinds of trouble getting him down, um, and I don't see that changing dramatically this week. You you can if you've got Joe Burrow who sees the field better than than most, and now avoids the rush as good as almost anybody. Um, you know, I, I think you can scheme around the fact that, that you've got backups starting on the right side of the line. I, I think they'll be fine, at least this week. You know, uh, Doc, um, I find this Lamar Jackson story uh, as fascinating a story, as interesting a story um, as there's been in the NFL for a player of his magnitude, for a franchise that is used to incredible success year in and year out, outstanding head coach, they're well coached, they have good seasons year after year after year. Uh, and this drama started before the season even started uh, about him getting the guaranteed money. He wanted more guaranteed money than Patrick Mahomes got in his contract. Now, you and I are both in agreement. We both talked about this before. I'm never going to question a guy and his injury. I don't know how serious the injury is. I don't know his pain tolerance. I don't know any of those things, and I'm not going to pretend to know. But from the outside looking in, and then when you start 
you know, sort of dissecting what John Harbaugh says and maybe more importantly what he doesn't say, there seems like there is a lot of drama going on right now with Lamar Jackson. You know, I wrote that this morning, Tom, and, and I said exactly the same thing. Uh, until they invent a painometer, I'm not in the business of judging whether a guy is foot to, uh, fit to play a football game. However, uh, I, I, it, it does make you wonder. The stuff that Harbaugh was quoted as saying yesterday about Jackson, you know, well, he really wants to play, and, and our next step is getting him to practice, and boy, we sure hope he can practice. Um, it's the playoffs, man. It's not week six in Jacksonville. Um, I, I think that, that Jackson certainly has leverage. The Ravens have scored four touchdowns in the last five games. They're averaging 13 points a game without him. He certainly is, is showing his value on the one hand. On the other hand, if you don't play or if you can't stay in the lineup, you're not all that valuable. You can be the greatest quarterback in, in, in history, but if you can't play, it doesn't matter. So I, I'm like you. I really don't know what's going on. I know one thing. If you're the Ravens and you're trying to prepare for a playoff game and you still are at the point where you don't know if your best player is going to play, I, I think that's a problem. I, I think mentally that, that that's an issue, and obviously physically as well, given that <laughs> – they're not exactly lighting up the scoreboard. But, I, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's in their heads, this whole thing. And I don't know whether Jackson is playing games or he's legitimately hurt until proven otherwise. I'll say he's legitimately hurt, but it's a little bit strange. You know, it makes you wonder, though, Doc, I mean, where is the win in this thing besides what I think is the most important part, and that is the respect of your teammates uh, and how they feel about you, not only right now in that locker room, getting ready for the playoffs and what you've been playing for going back to training camp in August, but how that would play out moving forward if you don't play in the game um, and they still give you a contract. Do guys look at you any different? I, you know, I don't know at the end of the day um, if Jackson comes back um, and plays poorly, does it hurt his chances of getting that contract? There's always a possibility he could come back, injure it even worse than it is right now, and we know what the repercussions could be from that because as we've stated right. on this program, you're talking about generational money now with the kind of con con contract that he's going to get from somebody out there. I I I'm just kind of wondering in the whole thing if they're you – know, I guess the only win in this thing is for Jackson, if he's able, to come back and play. And if he doesn't play well, you know, look, you can always just say, hey, look, the guy hadn't practiced in a month, but he was a gamer and came out there and gave it all he had for us, even if it's only for a quarter. Yeah, again, I, I think the nature of the position demands that you be a leader. Whether, you're, you're, whether you have that personality or not, uh, you have the ball in your hands more than anybody else. Um, and and uh, Joe Burrow, for example, uh, they would have to drag him off the field. If he can walk, he's going to play. And his, yep. his teams have made note, his players have made note of that last year and this year. You know, this guy's a gamer. 
he'll play uh, if it's at all possible. I don't, I don't know, and I haven't read any quotes from any of his teammates, uh, Jackson's teammates, whether they feel way about him in Baltimore. Again, it goes back to state of mind going into the biggest game of the year. Um, we can't, uh, we can't depend on, or can we depend on our best player? I think it matters. It's important. Demar Hamlin. This time a week ago, we are on this program talking about this young man on the field. His heart had stopped. He gets CPR from the Bills head trainer who uh, came out later, by the way, is an Ohio State University grad. They do such a phenomenal job up there in their medical school and all that kind of thing. It's, it, it, it's a great story. Uh, it, more importantly, the story is this young man got CPR, goes to the UC Medical Center, uh, the work that they do. To watch that guy get off a plane and, and come walking back into the town of Buffalo almost as if nothing has ever happened to him is just mind-boggling. No, yeah. I, I don't think I can add anything to that, Tom. Spectacular. Uh, uplifting. The, the, uh, the, the invincible human spirit, you know? What, what's possible when, when you have excellent medical care and, and just excellent support. And whether you believe in the power of prayer or not, um, in my opinion, at least, this is very subjective and very personal. I, I thought uh, there, there was something going on in that entire situation that, that cannot be uh, quantified, calculated, measured, what have you, um, that, that helped this young man make the comeback that he's made. You know, there, there was a purpose. There was a reason that a week after almost dying that, that he walked off an airplane. Doc, I made the comment a couple of days after this happened, and he was starting to show improvement. I remember uh, I was having a conversation, and Bob Costas got himself in a lot of hot water. In fact, it wound up leading to him leaving NBC when he took on the NFL uh, on a Sunday night telecast in the pregame show talking about CTE and concussions and all this kind of thing with football. Um I thought at the time it was an elitist, white, suburban issue where the moms of white suburbia in major cities are looking down their nose and saying, tell your kids to quit playing football. Not thinking about the kid who goes to Taft High School or the kid who's growing up in Macedonia, Ohio, whose only chance to ever get a college education is by playing football. Now, all of a sudden, they're coming out of the woodworks again when it's the first time that we have ever seen on a football field a young man have this kind of situation that Hamlin had. Cardiac arrest right there on the spot. I don't know how you feel, Doc. I'm not saying that there aren't challenges to football and things you have to accept for how violent and how fast and how dangerous it can be. But I find it appalling that there are people that are going to try to tell me or tell anybody else if their kids should be playing football or not. I feel, I feel like you do. Stay in your own lane. Uh, it, it's a personal decision. If, if you don't want your child to play football, great. Don't, don't expect other people to, to uh, 
to wholeheartedly agree with you. I, I mean, Hamlin's hit was a one in a million hit. Uh, it had to had to have occurred. Apparently, I'm just going by what the doctors. Some people have said we don't really know yet exactly why his heart stopped. Um, the theories, most of them tend to suggest that he had a, uh, a perfect hit at a, in a perfect place at a perfect time when uh, the heart wasn't beating and, and so on and so forth. Um, that's not indicative. That's not a reason that kids shouldn't play football. It was a fluke. It was a horrible fluke, but, but it was a fluke. Um, Hank Gathers died because he had an abnormal heart. He was a basketball player. Yep. Could have happened to anybody in that situation. Um, the older I get, Tom, the less willing I am to, to pass that kind of judgment. I mean, I, I still write opinion for a living, but I, I try not to, to uh, be judgmental, if that makes sense. And I'm, I'm with you in that. Um, don't, you know, you do what you want to do. Don't tell me, you know, you're not in my shoes. You don't know. Don't tell me what I should do. Do you think shifting gears to college football and that massacre we saw last night with um, Georgia making it back-to-back -back national championships, beating TCU 65-7, to do you think it's good for college football where one conference is dominating everything? No, not really. By the way, I applaud you for, for wearing the, the gear Thank today. That, that's, Thank that's great. Thank you. That shows a lot of class on your part. Me, I'm wearing the Georgia red. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> because I'm a front runner all the way. Yeah, I, I, I no, I, I don't think just on, you know, on. I don't think it's a good idea that, that the SEC is is far and away better than everybody else. But that's not the SEC's fault. The, the thing that I noticed interesting about last night was that, uh, and I wrote this this morning. Georgia won that game 72 to 13, not 65 to 7, because Georgia, of its 85 scholarship players, 72 were either four or five star recruits. 72 out of 85, TCU at 13. Uh, the talent level was, was so obviously lopsided. Uh, and I guess it's the job of, of the TCUs of the world or anybody else, the Ohio States for that matter. To, to, to get more players. You would think that, that NIL theoretically makes that easier because if you have more money, uh, maybe you get a guy that was that would go to an SEC school that's now going to come to yours. Ohio State certainly has a lot of money. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I think that as long as Kirby Smart can keep recruiting the way he has been, his greatest goal is to keep the players he's got not go find new ones. And, and so um, how does that help make for more parity in college football when, when schools like Georgia are still recruiting, are still signing 72 out of 85 four- and five-star recruits? So to answer your question, I, I don't know what happens. I don't think that, that NIL is going to do for parity what a lot of people think it will. Well, the, you know, NIL, the transfer portal has become a big factor. There's no doubt about that, where you can get right very quickly uh, at certain positions yeah. and that kind of thing. But, but, but you know, the, the, the bigger picture, and again, this is one of those topics that people just simply do not want to talk about. There are different rules 
for different institutions in terms of the kind of player that they can bring in from an academic standpoint. There are conferences out there. The best player on the field last night was not a four-star recruit, was not a five-star recruit. That was Stetson Bennett. He was the best player on the field. Good for him. God bless him. Having said that, he is also a junior college transfer. Now, you know, this takes us back to the days of Notre Dame, and my wife is a Notre Dame alum, and I've been around Notre Dame people, and, 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 and I think they are as hypocritical as a day is long because Notre Dame is supposed to stand for something that is about giving young men an opportunity. That's what that foundation of the school is supposed to be all about. The last time they won a national championship, they brought in a kid from South Carolina named Tony Rice, who was a Prop 48 kid, which meant he couldn't play his freshman year unless he met certain academic standards. But the point is, back in those days, Notre Dame would do that. They won a national championship with Tony Rice. He graduated in four years. He's arguably the greatest ambassador they have walking around as a Notre Dame alum for everything that is supposed to be right about Notre Dame. But you've got schools like Notre Dame. You've got conferences like the Big Ten. You've got conferences like the ACC. The SEC doesn't have it. Well, you can't even take junior college transfers. Or you can't take a kid who academically is maybe, you know, not what perhaps you can sneak into fill in the blank. So I just don't think that on multiple levels that this is by any means NIL, transfer portal, academic regulations, right on down the road. I just don't think that this is a level playing field. And from from the academic side of things, I don't hear anybody addressing any part of that. No, because it would, it, it would possibly interfere with, with the money-making machinery. Um, yeah, it's, it's never it's never going to be the quote-unquote level playing field. Um, everybody who plays at Georgia or in Alabama uh, in a national championship game is, is probably only going to have a puncher's chance. This is back to what we talked about uh, at, at the top. Um, and I don't know what you do about that. You can't. You can't legislate uh, what schools place their priorities on. You know, you can't make it a rule that that you can't take this kid or that kid, or you can't do what you want with your football program. And, and um, I don't, I don't know what to do about that, frankly, Tom. I don't think anybody does because if they did, they would have done something already. Um, I just think we got what we got, and, and like I said before, I don't think uh, this new era of, of Wild West uh, money and, with, and the way the game, quote-unquote, is being played is going to help much of anything. No, I'm with you all the way. All right, Doc, uh, we will catch up later in the week if you have the time and uh, getting ready for the Bengalis B Ra- V Ravens on uh, Sunday night. Are you going down there, by the way, or are you going to sit at home and, uh, and, and bang it out from there? I'll, I'll probably sit at home. You know, I'm retired. Well, I know that, you know, but you, you did make your you did come down to a game this year. I did go to one. I went to the Dolphin game. Well, that was a night the, game. The, uh, so, so why not come night. down to this one? Um, well, I may, maybe I will. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. Doc, thanks for the time, man. Have a great day.
Okay, Tom, you too. Thank you very much. Are you guys going, by the way, to the game? Casey, you said you're going on Sunday night, right? Yeah, I'm going with uh, my best man. And my Chatterbox sing again? No, no. This is not Chatterbox sanctioned. Is Chatterbox having another <laughs> sanctioned event for all of you guys that uh, work at Chatterbox? Well, that exclusive crowd at Chatterbox? Well, if they do, I'll just give you my ticket, Tom. How about that? Wow. Look at that. You know what? I, I would even pass if I had a chance to go this week. We got to be ready for the show Monday. Got to be ready to go. Got to be able to sit there and, you know, type out a, a you know, a monologue. There's going to be lots going on over the weekend. We've got pro games on Saturday. We got pro games on Sunday. Um, We're going to do some numbers on Monday. Either way. Big numbers. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, I'm going to get a little help with my picks this Friday, if you guys don't mind. I got to run this by the boss. From? But my son is off school on Friday. Okay. So I might have him come in here and Ooh. do my picks for me on Friday. Okay. Brandy. We'll see what happens. We'll see All what right. happens. I, I mean, I, I'm right there in the hunt. Right there in the hunt. It's true. Why, why does everybody keep bringing up... Um, what? Skyline around here. Why does that keep happening in our chat? Do you guys have any idea... We approached Skyline about sponsoring oh, this program. Oh, no, no, no. They decided to pass. No, no. So the person that won the uh, the person that won the uh, the wheel the ticket giveaway the wheel his username was Skyline. Oh, I got you. So okay, all right. They're they're talking about a person, not about the. Okay, the thought they were talking. Okay. What, what's all funny right. is he came in with a uh, a coney on his head. He did. He did. He had a coney hat. Okay. Uh. M. Foster says the Dayton Flyers play tonight. They do. Dayton's looking real good. Real good lately. Somebody's got to win the A-10. Why not Dayton? They're not getting an at-large bid, but they might win the A-10 tournament. They're starting to play better, though, right? Oh, they're playing great. Deron Holmes is the 10th best player in the country right now, if you look at the metrics. Well, I still believe that uh, it is, is without a doubt, the best place to watch a college basketball game that's within, you know, a reasonable drive. I mean, I love Centos, great place, great environment, but nothing's better than UD Arena when the Flyers are good. It's an awesome place it to watch basketball. It is a phenomenal building. It is so loud in there. Uh, and their fans are totally into it. I, I hope they get it together because it would be good for the region because, you know, you know that Xavier is going to be in the tournament. It would be great to see Dayton in the tournament. Um, I don't know realistically. You tell me, Paul. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you see – UC's got no shot unless they win the AAC. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm sorry. Like, it's just no, it's just fair. how it is. You're not beating them it, down. No, it's just it's just how it is. They've lost too many games. That NKU loss really killed them. Um, I know that was a road loss, but UC has no shot at an at-large bid. But you know, maybe Houston gets upset. Maybe they're on the other side of the bracket, sneak a win against Memphis in the AAC tournament and get in. But um, I yeah, they're gonna have to win the. They're going to have to win the conference tournament. Kentucky's not going to get in right now. Kentucky's not yeah, in yeah, that, the tournament that, That's right hard now. to believe. Kentucky is not going to get in. They North have Carolina will get in, right? North Carolina will get in. They Mich play Virginia tonight. That's a game big, for the Tar Heels. That's a big game for yep. North Carolina. That's a huge game for North Carolina because the, a the ACC is not having a great year. Yeah. I mean, look at Clemson and Pitt competing for the top of the ACC right now. Yeah, they're, I mean, go for it. The ACC is not having a great year. Um yeah, I 
if you're looking at the teams like right now, if you're looking at the teams that I cover on on the rebound rundown, which I'm wearing the hoodie right now. Yes, you are. Um, of the nine, you'll throw that to the scrap heap once that show goes south. But go ahead, kind of like you did with TCU. Well, the, that show's doing great. Well, it might be numbers. now, but TCU is doing great too. And then you you basically you you basically. Hey, I wore that them. I wore that hoodie every Friday for 15 weeks. They lost, and it's got to get washed. It'll be back in August, September. But, yeah, anyway, of, of the nine teams that I cover, I mean, you're looking at Xavier making the tournament right now, and you're looking at potentially Dayton winning the A-10 tournament. But outside of that, I mean, Kentucky Kentucky does have seven quad one games left, which is, I mean, the SEC is having a great year right now. And Kentucky, they play tonight. They're 20-point favorites over South Carolina. But they also play Tennessee this weekend. And at some point, Kentucky has to win a big game. At some point, Kentucky has to show that they can win a big game. And right now, not only have they not won a big game yet, Kentucky hasn't even been close in a big game yet, which is their issue. So I know that we have plenty of time to talk college hoops as uh, – Oh, Lord knows we do. As this show goes on, I know we do. And don't worry, I'll be, uh, I'll be on my I, game for that. But I, I, Is that Fred um, – do, do they they have a location you can make bets inside they, the stadium now? Uh, yeah, or is we it were, just on the app? We were talking about it's mainly a mobile. Um, it's mainly mobile. There's been, I don't think. They're it's, going to. They're, yeah, going they're building to a, a standing yet. structure with a sports book, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, but, but that'll be that'll, that'll be a while. But I, I do see some people asking. Uh, I did give a winner out yesterday on uh, on box lunch when we went in the vault at the end. I, I gave a college basketball winner out. So I'm going to tease it now. If anybody's if anybody's listening and you stick around, the cherry on top, right around that segment, I'll give one more college basketball pick for the night. Paul's pick of the day on rebound rundown, struggling, but Paul's pick once he actually has time to look at the lines in the morning has been doing pretty well. So. What would a day be without someone bringing up Discord? Discord, baby, it's popping. They want to awesome know. They want to know. Someone on here wants to know: Are you giving out picks on Discord? Yes. Yay or nay? Yes, there are tons of picks. In fact, yesterday was yesterday. Let's just say the Discord yesterday won a ton of money. Ton of money yesterday. So I, the link is posted up in the in the top of the chat right now. There's a link posted. You can also find it on Twitter. Um, but I mean, I'm not even just teasing this, like the, the discord has been hot. It's been cold, but there's, there have been, uh, there've been some winners in there. What, what are you looking at? In back to back, uh, text on the chat, sir boy wonder says discord is an elite place. Poofy haired, fancy boy says discord is tired. <laughs> so, Yeah. So I'll give a pick here at the end of the show. College basketball. I know there's some college basketball people in the chat, so we'll find it. And everybody loves to make money. No doubt about that. So we have uh, – do we have Tracy in here? I thought I saw him. Before we get to him, is there anything Maybe before not. we bring him in today? No, he's not in here yet. <clears throat> All right. Is there anything that you two would like to get into? Because I, I felt a little jumbled last week. I'm going to ask him about a couple of things, especially this Correa thing. I mean – this is, I mean, you talk about an interesting story here. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, Carlos Correa signs a big contract, we thought, with the San Francisco Giants. They do a physical. He had a broken leg years ago that they think could have some effect to how much he's going to be able to play moving forward. Okay, so that goes away, right? He then 
we thought, signed a contract with the New York Mets. They do the same physical and apparently some similar conclusion for the Mets doctors. So that's not a done deal. And now the team that was in on Correa from the very beginning and lost out, the Minnesota Twins. So, you know, I'd like to hear Tracy's, you know, thought on this. But is there anything, fellas, that uh, you guys have on your mind, Paul, that you want to get into with the Tracer today? Oh, ooh, with the trace. Well, we actually we do have uh, we do have a segment that we've been holding for Tracy for the last week and a half or so. Really? So, yeah. It's well, it's been a while. We did it before Christmas, but he's only been on once since Christmas and uh, New Year's. So, um, no, I'll figure it out. I'm just talking to him right now. You're talking to Tracy off the air right now. Okay. All right. Well, we got the tracer coming up here shortly. Um. Sir Boy Wonder wants to know, do you think that Korea now will not land a big-time deal? You know, I, I, again, I, if you're a team and you're getting ready to give a guy a quarter or more, a third of a billion dollars in a contract, it is, it would behoove you to make sure when you're signing a guy until he's 41 years old to find out, you know, when he's 39, 40, 41, and most of these teams are pretty much just, you know, that's the price of doing business. They'll write it off and figure you're not going to get much out of the player the last two, three years of that deal. But what are you going to get, what you're really paying for? What are you going to get from a time he's 30 until he's 37, 38? Now, there was a time, again, where all these analytics folks out there told us that, you know, you got to have a guy in his 20s. Got to have that guy. Can't be signing guys, you know, when they're a little older or going to be older. And now that same crowd is saying, well, you know, now all of a sudden it looks like guys can play later and longer and blah, blah, blah. Tracy Jones, the best 30 minutes of television twice a week. Tracer, are you finally back to your palatial estate, it looks like? Yes, I'm, Northern I'm back Kentucky. home. Yeah, back home in my place. And I got to tell you, Tom, I've caught a situation and I'm not real happy about it. Can I explain? Please. Here's what happened. Three weeks ago, our garage, you know, our secure building, right? We have a secure building. We keep people out. We actually have an armed guard who meets you at the front desk, uh, Leroy. And he is armed. So we also have secure parking underneath. Well, the gate screw the gate is broke and it's not working that was three weeks ago it's mm. still not it's up completely now Bellevue is about as nice a place as you can find I mean this isn't Norwood East Price Hill or Anderson this is a very nice neighborhood but still you have people walking by that can get into the building right I mean we've got Bentley's Maserati Porsche Cadillac, Tesla, my two cars, the Rover and Big E, they're in there. So someone could someone could just walk in and take stuff out of the car. That's a huge problem. Three weeks, and I went to the president, I said, what the hell's going on? It's been three weeks. He says, we're looking for a part. 
for the gate. Mm. So it's not close. supply chain. I don't know if it was Trump's fault, supply chain, but something's going on there and we can't get that part. So here's what's going to go down here. Okay. See, this is what happens when you make me mad. And I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to go this far. And I know Arnold Schwarzenegger did this on the Jay Leno show when he ran for governor. I am announcing that I am running for the HOA president of our of our complex. I didn't want to do it, but I'm going to have to make some changes. And that's what I'm going to do. Run for president HOA. Well, I think you should have done this in front of a, uh, a live crowd. I think you should have done this somewhere along the banks of the mighty Ohio just outside of your building with, uh, you know, almost a campaign rally-like announcement. Instead of, you know, well, I mean, we're appreciative here on Off the Bench, but this right. sounds like it, it's even bigger than this. This is really big. And I think, you know, Abraham Lincoln actually was president of his homeowners association. If you don't believe that, look it up. Okay, you know I don't make up stories. He, he ran for Congress, didn't win Congress for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. But I am going to run. And, Tom, I'm doing this for you. I mean, I think this will really help our show. I think you'll get a lot of pe lot more people watching. And this is just to start, people. I might run for mayor of Bellevue. But let's just start off HOA president. I'm looking for handlers because I don't want to spend a lot of time doing this. Right. And we'll see what happens. But very exciting times here in my building. Well, somebody made the comment here. Uh, well, Sharon, of course, is always in. She says, Tracy, you have my vote. But someone else made um, the comment, make HOAs great again. <laughs> I love that. That is original and very catchy. That I, I'm going to go with that because I was looking for a slogan. I was going to do something, you know, make Bellevue great again, something. But we're on the same page. These these people that watch the show are very sharp, very intelligent. Do you need a campaign manager? I do. I need some handlers. Uh, I'll pay you a couple thousand dollars, you know, every couple of weeks. I'll take care of you. But, uh, yeah, I need a lot of people behind me. But, Tom, I need your help as well. Well, I got to tell you, Trace, we were, a lot of the folks on the chat here, uh, you know, say that you've kind of brought the California look back with you to northern Kentucky. Uh, with the surf t-shirt, looks like a surfboard company or something on there with your t-shirt, the logo on, hat turned backwards. I yeah. think sunny Southern California has rubbed off on you a little bit, Tracer. You want to bring that back to the, to the Commonwealth? Yeah, I try. I mean, I don't want you people to be jelly. You know, I know that people from California, everybody wants to be from California. It's always sunny. Although for two weeks that I was there in California, it wasn't very sunny. In fact, I think it's raining today. But yeah, I've got that look. How do you like my shirt, by the way? It. I love it. You love it? I'm well, a t-shirt guy. I love t-shirts. Here's the thing. I still have my price tag on. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> here we go. It was uh, $22 right here. $22. Now, Tom, I just usually wear this shirt maybe once and then throw it away um, and get another shirt. But yeah, I forgot to take the tag off. Well, Sorry. you can send it to me. I'll wear it. If you don't want to wear it. Uh, in fact, uh, one of our chat members said Jones slash Tucker in 2022. Nudicles for all. If everybody can get a cell phone, if everybody can get a driver's license, if everybody can vote, Without being a citizen, then why not nudicles for everybody? 
Sounds good. You know, they are $5,000 for the pair. Now you can, you know, $2,500 a piece. And it's, it's extra if you've got a large dog, like the bull mastiff that we took the testicles from that dog and put it on Tucker. That, that was 7,500. So just the basic small dog nudicles, 5,000. All right. I want to get in with you a couple of serious topics and then we'll circle back. You want to say good morning, by the way, to the ham and eggers, Casey, Paul, Brandon, everybody want to say hello to Tracy. Good morning, Tracy. Tracy, how good are morning. you today? Uh, just a little flustered. I apologize for not bringing my A game today, but you know, this thing with the garage has got to be fixed and I'm the man to fix it. You're the man. You're the man. All right, Trace. I want to ask you about a couple of things. You were out there, um, I don't know how long you've been back, but the whole Trevor Bauer thing, okay? And this is, I mean, this is like walking on, you know, like a case of dynamite here uh, on multiple levels. Uh, The issue with the woman, there have been some other women uh, from Northern Kentucky that during his time here with the Reds have kind of come out and, you know, what you believe. You know, as Harry Carey used to say to me all the time, there's three sides to every story, your side, my side, and the truth. Okay, I don't know what the truth is. I'm not going to take anybody's side on this deal. Here's what I know. The Dodgers uh, had a contract. It's a third and final year of the three-year $102 million deal, I think, Bauer signed with them when he left the Reds uh, two and a half years ago. Signs with the Dodgers. Uh, He basically has not been able to pitch. Uh, through well over two-thirds of that contract. And now here comes the final year. Now, the, the, the Dodgers have not officially released him. Uh, they want to be able to control for a certain amount of time, and it's a limited period of time, about what teams he could potentially go to. If you were the owner of a Major League Baseball team, could be the Reds, could be the Twins, could be the Cubs, could be anybody, would you bring in Trevor Bauer? You know, I would, Tom. And let me let me give you the rundown, kind of some inside scoop on Trevor Bauer. And I'm, I'm sure you know this, but what I've heard about T- Trevor Bauer is that if there's a big game pitcher and you got to win a, a game, you want Trevor Bauer, right? You've heard that. Great competitor. As far as a teammate, the worst. The worst, they say. They, the, the guy that told me that's played with him said he's a terrible teammate. Saying all that, I would sign him. And my justification, one, he can pitch. Two, he was never arrested or anything. He was never charged with anything, right? Or he he was found not guilty, right? He did go to court, found not guilty. Now, the other side of that is a guy by the name of Deshaun Watson, okay, that had the the, the whole thing with the masseuse, right, going to the fifth base or whatever they were doing with him. Uh, And he's playing football. So I don't understand how you not let Trevor Bauer – play baseball but yet you're allowing Deshaun Watson who I think sat out eight games it doesn't make sense I I, am I comparing apples to oranges or is it kind of the same thing no I I mean look you know I I I think that 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 you could sit around and have a hundred people in a room and and I think that uh that you would get um a hundred different uh opinions on you know, this whole Bauer thing. Uh, no, he was not convicted in a court of law. That is a fact. Uh, there still is going to be a civil trial, and we all know uh, generally how those things uh, tend to go, even if you weren't convicted of a crime in a criminal court. So all of that is still to come. 
Um, but, you know, just from a straight PR standpoint, Tracy, uh, you know, look, you own your own company um, and in financial services. Um, mm-hmm. You know, do, do, do you want, would you be willing then, in other words, it sounds like the answer is yes, you'd be willing to put your company's sort of reputation, for lack of a better term, uh, out there in bringing him in? Man, I think I would. I think he's that good of a pitcher, and he could help your ball club. It's, and I know this sounds bad, but yeah, I mean, because he was not convicted, and he is going to go through that civil case. I just, I don't see how Deshaun Watson's playing football and Trevor Bauer's not. Now, saying that, that wasn't going to fly. Trevor Bauer, it was not going to fly. Him playing in Los Angeles, you know how they think they're in La La Land. So that wasn't going to fly. But I think somebody's going to take a chance on this guy. And it, it, like I say, he's one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. You think So you think the Reds ought to think about it. If they could get him, you know, they're going to have to pay him, uh, I think it's $25 million. They've shown no um, uh, evidence that they're, they're interested in paying anybody outside of the one lone remaining big contract they have on this team, and that's Joey Votto. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the Reds would be interested. What, what's Trevor Bauer going to do for the Reds? Yeah. You know, they need yeah. Trevor Bauer. But I, I think he will get signed. Let, let's let's face it. You know, athletes are not choir boys. There's a lot of people that have a lot of skeletons in their closet. Yeah. So I'm not trying to justify what what he Bauer did, but you know, not guilty. He's innocent. So we'll um, see how this plays. All right, then then the whole Korea thing. Um, which is a completely different uh, set of circumstances. Uh, I brought up earlier, he signs with the Giants. They do a physical. Uh, He had a broken leg multiple places years ago. They wonder, will that affect his availability playing in future years? 11-year contract, over a a third of a billion dollars, all guaranteed in baseball, as we know, not like football. Um, Then in come the Mets. Scott Boris is out in Hawaii. And he runs into the owner, Cohen, of the, uh, of the Mets. They strike a deal, similar kind of deal. 11 years, it would carry him into his 41st birthday. Now, all of a sudden, another physical has to take place, and the Mets are very concerned. And right now, it's not a done deal. Now, all of a sudden, right. Minnesota, allegedly, is back in the hunt to try to bring in Correa. I'm going to ask you this question now, Tracy, uh, you know, you're guaranteeing a guy $340, $350 million over the next 11 years. Um, the, the physical has to be showing something for two teams to now all of a sudden say, hang on a minute. Well, listen, I would never go 11 years on any contract. And let me ask you guys this question. Give me a long-term deal that they've signed in baseball that have turned out to be a good signing. I mean, it seems to me you sign these guys in a long-term term deal and they never last the entire contract, right? They're, right. they're always, you know, get Eric Hosmer is a, is a perfect example of that, right? You yep. sign him, he's great, and then he kind of slacks off and now you're trying to just dump his salary. I just find the long-term deals, I wouldn't do it. I mean, I'm a money guy, you know? I, I, how can you justify that kind of money for a shortstop who's very, very good. But so what? So I get a guy to replace him, and so instead of 30 home runs, he gets 15 home runs? Instead of, a, you know, 80 RBIs, he drives in 60? But I could, he'd probably pick it, and I save all that money? 
I can't justify 11 years and what'd you say, a quarter of a billion dollars? That That's reckless. That's reckless spending and stupid spending. But if you're the player at this point, if you're Correa, we know his agent, Scott Boris. I mean, I know a lot of people out there don't like Scott Boris. He's always treated me like a million bucks. I get along very, very well with him. Uh, I've asked him to come on the show. He's been on my, my podcast before a couple of times, in fact. Uh, and, and while all this is going on, he is going to wait and not be doing interviews like this. But if you're the player, Tracy, um, and this is happening now twice, would you, if you were Correa, would you go to Boris and say, look, 11 years, I get it. They're concerned. Um, let's tighten that deal up and go to a team and sign a five-year, seven-year deal. Would you do it? I would do that. Tom, that's a great suggestion. You should be an agent. You should actually, this podcast, you're really good at, but you'd be a good agent. I think five years is really reasonable. Don't you? I mean, that would be good. Maybe even just sign a one-year deal and just up it every single year. I mean, if you're, I mean, such a great player. I mean, you're going to have takers every single year, but there's obvious, and you made the point, obviously there's something wrong with him. And this, this injury is something that he suffered in the minor leagues, right? Yep. And but so, I, I got to yeah, tell you, I, I've had, I've had, and I'm not a professional athlete, never have been, never will be. Uh, I have broken those same two bones in the same leg when I was, of all things, in California skimboarding years ago uh, and snapped the tibia and the fibula and all that kind of thing. Um, for a guy who's making his living, and I'm not, but having to make his living running around all the time, not that baseball requires a ton of running, but shortstop is a very athletic position. Uh, there's a lot of movement there in that position, unlike maybe some of the others. Um, you know, it, look, they don't have a bunch of idiots for doctors in San Francisco and in New York. These right. guys are but seeing he- something that they clearly don't like because you know ownership of the Giants, you know that ownership of the Mets wants this guy playing for their team. But somebody in that medical field or, or multiple people are saying, hold on a minute. This is what you might be looking at. Well, you could call into question, you know, if you're the shortstop, you do have to move. But, you know, the Mets were going to move him to third base, right? Because you've got Lindor, who's, yep. who's the shortstop. Yep. So that you don't have to move. But I've broken my tibia before as well. When I was like 14 years old, I ran to that fat-ass John Nashinsky who was playing right field and I was playing second base. And I went back and he clipped my thing and and, and broke my leg. Uh, it was actually a compound fracture. So, um, yeah, I'm familiar with that injury as well. But you're saying he broke both bones. That, that well, is, that's that, my that, understanding. That, that, I, I, I could have misread that, but that's my understanding. Is that, is that where that whole thing stands right now? Um, and, you know, I, I know that Minnesota w- w- was in on him uh, from the very beginning and, and, and couldn't uh, get fiscally where Boris and, and Correa wanted to get. But, man, I mean, you know, it, it can be clearly a, a, a huge pull on an organization like the Giants or the Mets, but not nearly the same kind of pull on an organization from a fiscal standpoint as it would be for Minnesota. Well, I'm going to sound like a ham and egger here and a regular person, which I'm not. How much is enough as far as money, right? I mean, he's got FU money. I mean, how much money? I mean, it's just crazy money. 
And for a guy, a baseball player, to command that kind of money, I, I think it's reckless on the owners to spend something like that. I, I just don't understand. I wouldn't spend it on a baseball player. You know, baseball players have bad years. You know, basketball players don't really have bad years. Football players really don't have – if they're healthy, they don't have bad years. But baseball players all the time, right? They're never just straight up. I mean, look at Votto. Votto struggles. Pretty good hitter, right? So I just I just have a real problem players getting the money – and maybe it's a jealousy thing. Probably is. But, but you know but what, money, Tracy, but, I, You know what? I, I think I, I think a lot of people don't want to answer this kind of question because they let their fandom get in the way. Okay, but I think you bring up a great point here, uh, and I, I've never thought of this till you just said it. But it's true. Le- LeBron James never has a shitty year. No, never, never no. has a bad year. Right? Kevin Durant no. never has a bad year. Steph Curry. No. Never has a bad year. Never. Okay? Um, Now, in football, you might see some guys, they start to get older, older. Okay? So, like Aaron Rodgers this year playing at 39 years old, um, still Correa would be in the second to last year of this deal when he's 39 years old. And I would venture to say Correa won't be as good at 39 as even Rodgers was at 39. But the point you make is this. I, I would really be interested to know the last two monster long-term deals in baseball that were given out were given in the same year to Joey Votto and to Albert Pujols. Okay? The Cardinals made the decision. We're not going to do this. It's too long. Right. It's too much money. Right. We're letting the guy walk. Off he goes to Anaheim. Right. The Reds made the decision. Votto's our guy coming off the league MVP. We're giving him a two-year deal for really, compared to what they're throwing around now, uh, is chicken scratch. But if you were to go back and ask an objective fan, based Mm -hmm. on what we saw from Pulos over 10 years and what we've seen over Votto for nine years, would you say those have been good contracts? Absolutely not. The Angels wanted to get rid of Pulos. Pulos really, no, he kind of rebounded with with the, uh, the Dodgers a little bit. But he really struggled with the uh, with the Angels. He really did. And do you think that was a good deal for for Joey Votto? I mean, what could you what could the Reds have done with that twenty five million dollars a year? Isn't that what he's making? And this is his yep. last year. Yep. I mean, think of what you can do with that money. Now, here here it is. Are you going to get a three hundred like Joey Votto? No, but you can find first baseman that hit two eighty. Or you get, you know, you'll find a first baseman that'll say, you know, hit you 20 home runs. Their first basements, believe me, in the minor leagues that can do that. And you save $25 million. I'm all about saving 20, you know, saving money. Tom, I was a guy two years in the big leagues making 300000 driving a 74 Datsun truck with 170, about 165,000 miles on it. So I'm all about saving the dollar. Okay, well, you know, I, listen, I hear you. I, I, I mean, I, I'm just sitting here, and, and listen, I'm not making the argument of whether or not, uh, you know, how, how you should feel or anybody should feel about the life of this Votto contract. I knew the second that I brought up his name uh, that there are going to be people out saying, oh, Tom, you don't like Joey Votto. Your dad doesn't like Joey Votto. It's total nonsense. It, it's just ridiculous. It's stupid to say things like that. Okay, period, and it is stupid to say things like that. I have nothing in the world against Joey Votto. 
But I knew the second I brought this up, I was going to get that, and I was going to get he has played up to the lifetime of that contract. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and walk through year after year after year, but you basically have had four really good years that he's played on that contract. You've had a couple of years where he was hurt. I mean, he had a, you know, he, he had some, he had some good, but I mean, the last four years of that deal, the last four years, you have a 261 batter with 47 runs batted in. He played in 54 games due to COVID. He hit 220. The next year he bounced back, 36 home runs, 99 batted in. This year he gets hurt again, 91 games, injures his shoulder. When he got hurt, was hitting 205 with 40 runs batted in in 91 games. I'm not going to sit here and say the other years he didn't live up to it, but but, but this is a 10-year contract. It's not a five-year contract, right? Right. So you made, right. So you, you made my point. Baseball players have bad years. Saying all that, and please, Tom, let's, let's not use that microphone as a weapon against a Joey Votto, please. Um, Joey Votto... Joey Votto, now, you ready for this? Now, now, look at me. You ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. Joey Votto is the greatest hitter the Reds have ever had. No doubt about I, it. I don't, what's that? No doubt about it. No doubt about it, right? You look no at doubt. his on-base percentage. Yep. Look at his, you know, there's. I wish I had his stats because they're really unbelievable. I got him. I got him. He's got a lifetime, lifetime on-base percentage of 412. He's got a career 297 batter. Uh, he has o- almost 350 home runs. He's knocked in over 1,100 runs. He's closing in on 350 um, or uh, just over 450 doubles. You can start getting yeah. the, you know, the OPS stuff, and he's way up there. Yes. Uh, twice has led the league. Um, so, look, I, look there. no one could argue in their right mind. He is, without a doubt, the best offensive player the Reds have ever had in the history of the franchise. No doubt. Boy, you you say that. Boy, there's going to be people chatting right there, making comments. They're not going to be happy about this because there'll be some ignorant idiot that'll start talking about Pete Rose. And, and you know, Pete was great at getting singles, playing every day, and he was he was the best competitor in the world at any sport because I played with Pete. I know what he's saying. But as far as overall the numbers, you can't beat Joey Votto. You really can't. He four twelve. Would you say four seventeen on base percentage? The Oakland A's this year had an on base percentage as a team of two ninety six. Okay, so that's 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 incredible to have an on base percentage like Joey Votto. No doubt about it. No doubt. I mean, he he has been a fantastic player. He's been a model citizen. Um, uh, yes. L- listen, I mean, there's no doubt about it. He has had just an extraordinary, extraordinary career. And will go down as one of the great, all-time great Reds players. Um, all right, gentlemen. Yes. We only have a few minutes to make things on the little bit lighter side of life. Fire it up, Casey. Tracy, we got something for you. Uh, here we go, Tracer. Okay. Oh. It's time to guess that player with friend of the show, first pick in the MLB draft, kind of, an overall good guy, Mr. Tracy Jones. Wow, how about that, Kermit the Frog? I know. I, I like how he said, kind of a good guy. I like the good guy thing. <laughs> no one said that about me. All right, Tracy, ready for this one? You got the last one yeah. pretty easily. All right. 
All right, so this good fellow, he was a two-time All-Star. Okay. He played on three different teams. Okay. Any initial, like, anything pop to the top of your head, initial gut reaction? Uh, keep going. Okay. He was a second baseman. Ooh. A Harold Reynolds. Bang! Wow. Look at that. Good Three. Job. Good at this. Wow. Harold Reynolds. Harold Reynolds, three-time Gold Glove winner. Yeah. Look at you. And he a, was a man, Tracy, up there in Seattle. He's a very nice guy. Yep. Harold yep. was a. We had a lot of nice guys. Just a quick story about how we had Alvin Davis. How nice was Alvin Davis? Yep. Harold Reynolds. Yep. You had Griffey at Dave Valley. I'm just naming all the nice guys. We had the nicest team as far as in Seattle. The Mariners were, were having a pretty good year, and they traded for me in the middle of the year. And I asked Jimmy Lefevre when he was the hitting coach of the Reds, I had an interview with him, and I said, why did you get me uh, in Seattle? He says, well, the problem with our team was that we had too many nice guys. And we needed someone to kind of shake it up a little bit. Want to change the personality of the team. So we looked at someone who was a little edgy that could start, stir things up a little bit. And they traded for me. And that was when a week later I started that. I didn't start it. I just kind of finished it. That big fight in Seattle that lasted 22 minutes. And I'm telling you, the guys loved me for that. But we just had a bunch of nice guys and they just needed a, a, a jerk. Yeah. How was Harold Reynolds? How'd you like playing with him? I liked Harold. You know, Omar uh, Omar Vesquel was the shortstop, and Harold was the second baseman. And Harold was our leadoff hitter, and just all around good guy. I mean, you, you, you talked to I think you mentioned Jack Morris the last time. Yeah, he was and the I last got one. In three, three questions, and I'm getting these guys. Do I get any credit? It's the it's my mind is pretty sharp, and that's why I'm running for president of the HOA here in Bellevue because I'm a quick thinker and I'll get that part for the garage. Who is running against you for the president of the HO? Is there an incumbent you're trying to defeat? A big time lib. Big time. And I, I tell you what I might hold when I become president. I think I just might hold a MAGA rally here in the building. That'll a lot of libs here. It's crazy. <laughs> crazy. You get a, You get a big turnout for that there. It, although I don't know, you know, I, I, I'm not sure anymore whether how much of a big turnout you'd get for that kind of thing these days right there. You know, Bellevue's kind of gone big money, you know, even though it's a city, somewhat suburban, educated, white, you, you know, I don't know what kind of turnout yeah. you're getting on that. A lot of, lot of liberals here. I've noticed that it's really changed and I, I'm not sure I like that, Tom. It's not, it's. It's not my people. So I, I've got my work. I need to get some handlers. I need to get a campaign manager. I need to get this up and going. And uh, I, I just, I'm glad that I can announce this on this very popular am, show. By are. the way, people, hit the subscribe button, please, for this show. Make a comment. Listen, this show is for free. You don't have to pay a damn cent. And you can listen to the show. You can watch the show. Subscribe and hit that jam that like button as well.
But make a comment. And, and this show's ready to take off, Tom. I can feel it. I, I can, can feel, feel it, it, too. I can feel it, too. Thank you for that, Tracer. Uh, Casey, anything on your mind with Tracer before we let him get out of here today? Oh, well, I uh, I went and did my taste testing for my wedding. Oh, well, it's I've big news. The, I've got the items. Are you ready? Are you ready for this meal? Let's hear Let's it, hear Casey. It. Marinated Italian chicken and prime rib then twice baked potatoes corn pudding tossed salad and mastatroli all right with an open bar oh, oh, oh. wow what, what about my idea just taking the golden corral or ponderosa i'm sure those are the people you hang out with <laughs> hey well, listen that's i don't like the open bar it's too expensive I don't, Casey, on a serious note, you know, I don't like to spend money. That open bar, what happens is you get charged by the drink. And a lot of people don't finish their drink. And you, you see drinks that are full just sitting on the bar, sitting at the table. Let's take that away from those people, okay? Let them bring their own, whatever they do. Maybe just a big punch bowl with, some, you know, some vodka in there and stuff like that. I, I don't think those people deserve uh, an open bar. Do you, Tom? You know, I, I, I'm not big on the open bar myself. I think you can have a really nice time and a nice wedding with having wine and beer options. I, I, I think, you know, I, a guy like you, Tracy, you know, you, you're not the common man with a common palate. I'm a beer drinker. You know, you get the highfalutin California wine crowd. Uh, and then sandwiched <laughs> somewhere in between there is a guy like you with Grey Goose, you know, and that kind of thing. But I think you can pull off a beautiful wedding. Everybody ultimately will be very happy if they can walk right. up and either get a glass of wine or a beer. Right. The prime rib is a nice touch. I like that. It's yeah, twice baked potato. I like that. Yeah, I, I can't wait to get my invite. Yeah, I mean, I was waiting on, oh, I picked all those items just because I was thinking of you. Prime rib, twice well, baked potato. I'm yeah, sure there'll be great goose to the open bar. Uh, no, let's let's slow it down, Casey. No, <laughs> let's not get carried away. Casey, <laughs> just go grab some Everclear, brother. I mean, just call it a day. Ooh. Oh boy, we don't go down oh, that man. road. You know what? You know what? People blacking out. Casey might forget he got married. That wouldn't. Be oh good. no. You know what? My drink is that's really hurt me and got me into a lot of trouble, and I can't handle it all. That all is tequila. I was getting ready to say. I know you were going to say tequila. They're, they're making it differently now, though, Tracer, than the old days when you and I were young. Well, and it's supposedly good for you. All the alcohol to drink, tequila is supposedly the good for you. I don't know if you distill it a whole bunch of times, kind of. Is it a cleanser? It's a clean, wow. a clean alcohol. Okay. You didn't know well, there that? There you go. Maybe what you ought to consider then with that in mind for the health of your uh, guest is to have wine, beer, and shots of tequila. Uh, Margaritas. By the way, by the way, happy dry January. I wasn't going to mention it, but yeah, I, I've cut out alcohol for January. It's I got to tell you, Tracer, you know, I see a lot of things. And before we let you go, I got to tell you, you know, um, you've come back here from California. Uh, and you brought back some of this with you. What's this? 
Well, you know, dry January, uh, the surfer t-shirts. Fasting. Well, that, you oh, know. Here's, here's something else for you. You ready for this? Do it. Just do it. Don't challenge me on this. Just do it. That's the least you can do, right? You people don't pay for this show. You have people like, I mean, think about the people you have on the show. You got Bob Huggins, myself, your dad, a Tracy Jones, a Dusty Baker. I mean, you get some people. So listen to this. I've been doing this every morning for the last nine days. A cold shower, ice cold shower, five minutes when I wake up. That'll help. Yes, Tell it's you, very good you for your body. Great. There's no doubt about that. Sorry. It's good for the swelling and the, the you know, all that yep. kind of thing, for sure. No doubt. No doubt. All right, Tracer, we hope that uh, they find that part somewhere. It's probably sitting on some cargo ship outside of Long Beach. Whoever would have thought you'd be so close to it when you were out there. Maybe they'll find yeah. that part for the garage. Boy, I hope so. I hope so. Please vote for me. We will definitely we vote will. for the Tracer. Tracer, have a great Thanks. rest of your day. We'll see you on Thursday. Happy dry January. <laughs> Casey, is it a dry January for you? Uh, it is not. It is definitely not. Now with the Bengals playoff run. And it's never a dry January on the Xavier University campus no. when it's basketball season. Of course not, Tom. You know that. No you know chance. That. Uh, Tom, we got a, the, the Bengals and the, the Tracy Jones report, I should say, up here. Was brought to you by Encore Technologies, providing IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center. Supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models. It improves your efficiency, your productivity, and those of your employees. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. We've run long, guys. Well, that's um, the beauty of YouTube, Tom. It Nobody's really is. Us off. We have two things left. Uh, very, very quick things. One, I said a pick earlier. I'm going to give Villanova minus six and a half tonight. Uh, they're at DePaul. I think this is a game that Villanova wins. I know they have some injury issues, but I think this is a, a game that Villanova needs on the road. Uh, can't lose this game. We also have a cherry on top. Let's but have it. Presented by United Dairy Farmers. Let's see it, boys. feel like the ice cream truck's coming down the street. Had some UDF ice cream. Cotton candy. Oh. Got some of that. It's good. A little sweet. There's so many good flavors. You pick cotton candy. What is this? It's sweet. It's Tracy Jones. Oh, my God. Talked about it. Fire it up, Casey. The old kingdom. The kingdom. Tracy Jones, the batter, and Sebra hits it. Jones takes exception. And here they come. Get him, Tracy. Jones oh, Tracy, get him. That's our guy. It's a guy you want fighting for you. It's a real man. <laughs> this is not quite your run-of-the-mill baseball waltz. That's Bob Uecker, I think, on the call. I, was, I mean, that is a Brewers game. Yeah, back when they were in the American League. All right. Randy Jones now. All right. Yep. That is Uecker. <laughs> yep. The Tracer going to bat. For his guys. All right, boys. Thank you very much. Working on a couple of big things for tomorrow. Not heard back from a couple of the um, the guests we're hoping for tomorrow. We'll have to find out and see how that all shakes out. But we will be ready to go. 
tomorrow, again, 10 o'clock. We thank all of you who joined us today. We invite you to come back tomorrow. Tell some friends. Tell some family members about it. Casey, Paul, thank you. Absolutely, Tom. Absolutely, all right, Tom. boys. This is Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Have a great day. We'll see you. As Jimmy Buffett once said, please don't say manana if you don't mean it.